0: So last Sunday, we were not here because of the massive blizzard that hit Charlottesville. And not enough of you joined me in prayer to have that storm avert us completely. But how many of you have been in prayer that it will never ever happen again? Amen to that. I think the older I get, the more I dislike snow. Personally, in my own life, I think if hell were freezing, it would be more of a deterrent than if hell were hot but today it's supposed to be 60 degrees did you know that isn't that awesome thankful for that and um, I know that the UVA crowd will appreciate this but how about UVA basketball I mean come on now listen um, what we're doing as a church family is we are processing through one of our three pillars on which City Church stands. City Church stands on three pillars. It's real devotion, real relationship, and real generosity. And so what we're doing for the next several weeks and have been for several weeks is we're taking a look biblically at real devotion, real devotion, And what we've discovered together over the past several weeks is that there are some key things that are a part of real devotion to Jesus in your life and in mine. We learned the first week that you begin that journey by discovering Jesus as Savior. Next, when it came to real devotion, we learned that God cares about our heart, that the primary thing for God in real devotion is our heart. Then two weeks ago, we took a look at a tool for real devotion, which is fasting and prayer. And our church launched into a seven-day fast where many of us chose different types of fasts. We provided some information about fasting. Many of you, fasting is new to your life. And so we provided information, and people chose different types of fasts. Some people were fasting partial food. I know for me, I'm basically hypoglycemic. I can't go without food for more than about 15 minutes. and so. um, But some people fasted all week. They only drank water. Other people coupled that with a media fast where they got off of Facebook, they stopped watching television, they stopped checking out Twitter and all those things, and they went through severe withdrawals for about five and a half days, and then they came out the other side. But our church processed through this fast, and the reason for it is from the Older to the Newer Testament, The scripture is clear that fasting and prayer is part of a way where we spiritually unclutter our lives and we move towards God. And we have a better, I think many times in my own life, a better openness to who God is. One of the things you became aware of if you were fasting or you've ever fasted is you become aware of your body. You become aware of the demands of your flesh and the demands of your physical body. And one of the purposes for fasting is to make your body, your physical reality, be secondary to God. Well, what I want to do this morning is I would like to speak very clearly and very biblically about real devotion in the context of our physical bodies. Our physical bodies in the context of real devotion. And the reason why I want to do this, I think, is because what the Bible says about our bodies and our relationship to Christ cuts across the grain of culture in a lot of ways. I realize that. And for some of you who are checking out faith or others of you that are newer to faith, what you're going to be hearing this morning will be somewhat new. And what I want to do is really do kind of a quick biblical study about our bodies, that part that we grab a hold of, our physical bodies in relationship to real devotion with Jesus. So what I'm going to ask that you would do is that you would take out your smartphone, if you would grab one of the Bibles that we've provided, and take a look with me as we consider real devotion, my body, and we're going to begin with 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. This is where I've kind of chosen to begin. We're going to move around through the Newer Testament. But by the time we're done, we'll have a clear biblical understanding of my body and real devotion to Christ. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. The Apostle Paul here is explaining the physical body and one of the views that he has concerning it when it comes to real devotion. If you were to read this a little bit more accurately, here's how this text would read. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure in clay pots. We have this treasure in clay pots to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Paul is saying that your physical body is a clay pot. By the way, that is not meant to flatter you. What Paul's referencing here is that in his day there were containers. There were some that were very ornate. There were some that were porcelain. And then there were some that would function much like those kind of large Tupperware tub kind of a thing. We have them, if you went into the storage area in my basement, we have a ton of these. And there's labels on them of what's inside of them. But the purpose for this big Tupperware thing with the lid is not that you would really be interested in the Tupperware, but you would be interested in what's inside the Tupperware. Clay pots during Paul and Jesus' day were like those big Tupperware things that we utilize. And so the idea for Paul is, is that your physical body and my physical body is sort of like a clay pot. What's inside of it is what's valuable. The clay pot in and of itself is dispensable. There's nothing special about it per se. And as we begin to build a case about my body, Your body, in real devotion, what Paul's trying to tell us at the outset is this, is that God in you is the power and what is so worth you having the body that you have. Your physical body, to Paul, is parallel to these clay pots that were a dime a dozen. What is inside of us, the power of God that is in us, and through us is where the value lies. Now, as we think about this, I want you to understand though, Paul does, does, does not besmirch the human body. He doesn't do that. There were some moves afoot in early Christianity where the body was announced as completely evil. There was that sense where the ultimate thing for the Christian was to kind of separate yourself from your body. Paul absolutely did not believe that, neither did Christ. God's desire is that I would, in real devotion, present my body to God. Not just my worship, not just my thoughts, but literally my physical body would be presented to God. Let me put it this way. God wants your body. How's that? But you see, Paul did not besmirch the physical body. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, listen carefully, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life the life to come. In other words, Paul would have been happy to know that you had joined up at a local gym. He would have liked that. Paul had the concept of our physical bodies as something that is important before God. We don't abuse our bodies because our bodies are part of our real devotion to God. More about that later. But in Paul's mind our physical bodies are an integral part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Paul liked sports. How many of you like sports? How many of you don't understand and can't stand sports? Raise your hand. Some of you raise your hand. Paul loves sports. A lot of his references about real devotion had to do with physical sports with a physical body. Things like running the race. Things like this, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in heavenly realms. Paul enjoyed sport. Quick infomercial. Today at 2 o'clock at Memorial Gym, the UVA men's wrestling team will be wrestling Virginia Tech. Let me say that again. At 2 o'clock today at Memorial Gym, I believe the Apostle Paul would have been in the gym enjoying the athletic prowess, so you need to be there as well. But please understand, when it comes to real devotion, Paul's clear, our body is part of that, but what is so valuable about our body is what God does in us and God does through us. Real devotion literally involves your physical body. Now, as we go a little bit deeper into this, I'm going to ask that you would turn with me to another passage of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20. Here's what Paul writes. Do you not know this is a question. His safe assumption was that the people in the city of Corinth, we're going to talk about the city of Corinth in just a moment. This is the city to which, in which the church is, that he's writing this letter. He writes to the people in the church in Corinth, Do you not know that... What are the next two words? Your bodies. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples... Of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own, you were bought at a price, therefore, honor God with your bodies. As you look at these verses that Paul gives us, they're absolutely fascinating. He writes again, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? And some of you are saying, never knew that. Didn't know that. Well, here's what scripture teaches us. The moment Pete Hartwig said yes to Jesus in my preteen years, the moment I was walking across the field on the farm on which I was raised, my family was completely unchurched. We never went to church. And yet due to a marriage that was struggling and my brother who almost died of a bone marrow infection, my mother's close friend in her bridge club invited her to come to church. Her friend was dying of MS and was a chain smoker. And she reached out to my mom and shared Christ. So my mom began to go to this church and she began to invite us as well. This was at the tail end of what was called the Jesus Movement. It's when there were hundreds of thousands of hippies all over the country that were coming to faith in Christ. And so we began to go to that church and after being in the church for a few months, I came to understand who Christ was and walking across the field on that farm, I gave my heart to Christ. Here's what happens biblically and literally the moment you say yes to Jesus. The moment you say yes to Jesus, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is placed inside of you as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. In other words, the moment you say yes to Jesus and you put your faith, hope, and trust in him, your physical body begins to house the Holy Spirit. Paul puts it this way, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit? Let me explain this a little bit further. Paul was Jewish. So was Jesus. Paul was a Jew. He was a leader among the Jews. And the center of the Jewish faith was this temple on Mount Zion in Jerusalem. It was this temple that had been built by the Jews. And the purpose for the temple was to have a center focal point to have a relationship with God inside of that temple there were sacrifices that were happening morning noon and night people who had sinned would bring an animal to the priest the priest would take the animal into the altar the animal would be slaughtered and killed the blood would be placed upon the altar and the people's sins were being atoned for constantly it was through this sacrificial system that there was the possibility for jews to have a relationship with God because of their sin that had separated them from God now in that temple in the center of the temple was a room called the holy of holies and in the holy of holies inside that temple there was a box that was called the ark of the covenant And inside of the Ark of the Covenant, there were some artifacts that God had commanded to be placed there. And on top of that box was a lid called the mercy seat. And the scriptures tell us that the Holy Spirit of God was dwelling, and the presence of God would dwell over that Ark of the Covenant. And so ultimately what you have is you have this Jewish temple that's placed on top of Mount Zion, in the center of the city of God, in the center of Jerusalem. And that temple is the center of all religious activity for Jewish people towards God. It is literally the center, and it's in that temple that God's spirit dwells. And so here Paul is a Jew, is saying to you and me, God no longer dwells in a building in Jerusalem on Mount Zion. God's Holy Spirit now dwells in you, and he dwells in me. That the Holy Spirit, the moment I say yes to Jesus, dwells within me. And I literally become that temple that was central to worship in the Older Testament. As you read on here, you would discover that the Apostle Paul says this. I want to read it again. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. As we look at this, Paul continues to build his case. And it is building his case about our bodies here's what he says to us you were bought at a price therefore honor god with your body what is he talking about paul is referencing something that everyone in the newer testament during jesus's day and paul's day when they read this letter they knew exactly what paul was talking about what he was referencing about you were bought at a price he was referencing the following then in Jesus' day and in Paul's day, slavery was common. The most common way you became a slave was when you got into too much debt. When you got into too much debt, you would be sold into slavery to pay off your debt, which most, more often than not, you were unable to do. Other slaves were conquered peoples that had been conquered and brought in and were forced into service. But in Paul's day and in Christ's day, a lot of the people had accrued too much debt. And so therefore, now they were a slave. And yet Paul says this. You are not your own. Speaking of us that follow Christ. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. What is he referencing? A slave could be set free if someone came in and paid the price for them to be set free. And at times, slaves would actually save up enough money, and it could take decades, but they would finally save up enough money to purchase their own freedom. But anyone who reads this would clearly understand what's happening. That here we are as sinful people, and Christ has paid the price so that we can be freed up from slavery to sin. So what is the price that was paid for your body and for mine? The price that was paid was the death of Christ. That's the fee that was paid in order for you and for me to be freed up so that our bodies could become the temples of the Holy Spirit. What a price was paid. Let me put it to you this way. When you pay a price for something, you pay attention to it. Let me give you an example. Let's say you had a stack of Post-its. And then you had a stack of $100 bills. Which one would you be more concerned about losing? One of the $100 bills or one of the Post-its? You should see my house. There's Post-its all over the place. No one cares. But you will never see $100 bills all over the place. Here's why. I have two teenage girls. They would collect them. They would keep them. They would use them. The understanding is, is you wouldn't just write notes on $100 bill. Why? You take care of them. You observe them. You watch them. You know where they are. You're aware of them. Why? Because they was a, there's a great price attached to that. If you don't agree with me, meet me after. I'll take some from you. <laughs> but the idea here is Paul's saying, listen, folks... Our bodies, our physical bodies, are the temples of the Holy Spirit. And our bodies have been set free from slavery to sin by a price that Christ has paid, and it cost him his life. God wants us to be free, to be freed up. And in this, my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when you say yes to Jesus, your body is the temple the Holy Spirit. Now you would notice that we've just read in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. But if you were to look a little bit earlier on in verses 15 and 16, I want to read for us what Paul explains to us about our bodies. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 and 16 says the following. I want you to listen well. Do you not know that your bodies... Now, in verses 19 and 20, he says the same thing. Do you not know? He's asking a question. He assumes that the people in Corinth knew this. But for some of us, we don't. So he writes, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with the prostitute? Never. Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one in body with her, for it is said the two will become one flesh? Here's Paul's argument. If your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and you go to visit a prostitute, Jesus Christ is there with you. Now picture that the next time you're going to do something with your body that you know you shouldn't do. You might go, Well, Well, I was worried about my grandmother watching. Now we have Jesus. But when you look at this, I think it's key that we would understand what Paul's getting at because it's going to relate to all of our lives. You see, Paul says, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. He talks about people who are Christ followers and Christ is in them and They're involved with visiting prostitutes. Here's what he's referencing. You see, Corinth was like modern-day Las Vegas. It was flowing with money. Wealthy people went there and partied. What you did in Corinth stayed in Corinth. But you see, in Corinth was a temple to the goddess Aphrodite. The goddess Aphrodite was that Greek god that was what we would call the fertility god, the god of physical attraction. And worship to her was a form of worship where some extra-biblical scholars will tell you that there's some evidence, it may be somewhat embellished, but there were 2,000 male and female prostitutes working night and day in the temple to Aphrodite. And so what would happen in that city is people would come in to worship, and as they went to worship Aphrodite, they would visit these temple prostitutes. And some extra-biblical literature tells us that some say that those prostitutes were slaves, that they had been captured and brought and forced this way. Others said that there were actually people that chose to do this as a form of worship to Aphrodite, and they would give all of their finances to her. So what you have is you've got this church that teaches us what we do with our physical bodies matters. And this church is beginning to grow in this city of Corinth. And what God wants for our bodies cuts straight across the culture of what culture says we should be doing with our bodies. And the Apostle Paul writes this letter to them and says, Do you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And Christ is literally in you, so when you go to worship Aphrodite and you meet with these prostitutes, Christ is forced to go with you. By the way, the goddess Aphrodite is where we get the term aphrodisiac from. Now, my son, who is a Greek, Latin, Hebrew scholar, told me some other things as well. That the Latin name for this god is Venus. It's where we get the English word venereal from. Now, I know this is TMI at this moment. I'm well aware of this. But I'm telling you this because oftentimes, as Christians, we think our world is somehow worse off than it was when Christ and the first century church was in this world. But it's the same, it's the same. And so this letter about our bodies and real devotion to Jesus is the same for us as it was for them. The Apostle Paul wants us to know along with those Corinthian Christians, he wants us to know that Christ has paid a price for our bodies that we are set free from the slavery to sin. And in that, we are freed up by the power of the Holy Spirit. So don't go back to those temples. Don't go back to where you were before and do what you used to do. Instead, understand the purpose for our bodies is to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are to honor God in real devotion with our bodies. As we would read on, the Apostle Paul teaches us some other things about our physical bodies and real devotion to Christ. One of these is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and I just want to read it for us quickly. Because if we are going to devote our bodies in real devotion to Christ, there are some other things that are key for us to understand. Here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5. Please listen. It says this, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husbands do not have authority over his own body but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come back together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. The reason why I'm mentioning this is because we went through seven days of fasting and prayer. You know what Paul just referenced here? That married couples in mutual consent would choose to fast from physical connection with each other in the confines of marriage for a period of time and set that time aside for prayer. And some of you are saying, no way. But isn't it fascinating that in the mind of the Apostle Paul that our bodies And the most intimate affection between a husband and a wife, the Apostle Paul is teaching us that Jesus Christ, if we're in real devotion to him, even has authority in that realm of our lives. That there may come a time, even in a marriage, where that physical closeness would be fasted for a period of time to devote yourself to prayer. But then he puts this caveat that you shouldn't do that too long in case Satan comes in and tempts you. Now, if we're talking about real devotion, and I know for some of us this is new, but you'll find this in the Scriptures, and I think it's so key for you and for me to understand what real devotion with our bodies looks like. The last verse that I want to look at is probably the most challenging. It's Romans chapter 12, Verses 1 and 2. My body, a living sacrifice. My body, a living sacrifice. So as we look at real devotion to Jesus, this is one of those verses when we talk about our bodies that is front and center. Romans 12, 1 and 2. We've shifted our focus now from Corinth, and now we're in the city of Rome. I would tell you this, Rome was no better than Corinth. Here's what Paul writes to that church. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, if you're a man, raise your hand. You are a brother. If you are a sister, raise your hand. You are a woman. So man and women are included here. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, here's the next phrase, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper act of worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you will be able to attest and approve what God's will is. Is good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul uses some incredible pictures here. He says to every woman that's in this auditorium, he says to all of us men who are in this auditorium, that if we are going to be part of real devotion to Jesus, that in view of God's mercy, we are literally to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God we are back at the idea of the temple and the sacrificial system again because you see sacrifice in the Jewish faith meant that whatever was sacrificed was killed An animal would be brought to that holy mountain. The priest would take the animal from the family and slit its throat, and the blood would be put on the altar. Whatever animal was placed on the altar was dead when it was placed there. But in the mind of the Apostle Paul, when it comes to your body and my body, Paul sees this as a way in which we can have real devotion to Christ, where you and I, not to remove our sins, but Because our sin has been removed, we would offer ourselves to God as though we are a living sacrifice. And we would literally present our bodies to him as a sacrifice that's pleasing in his sight. Now let me tell you something that's key. It's this. The problem with a living sacrifice is that it crawls off the altar. That's the problem. And so when Paul talks about offering ourselves as a living sacrifice, this is something that will be done frequently in the midst of real devotion. Because if you live in the world in which I live, it's not that different from Rome, and it's not that different from Corinth. And there are clear-cut times where it is going to be wise for us spiritually to bring our bodies before God and offer them as a living sacrifice. How amazing it is that God would want this body offered to him. And listen, the good thing about a living sacrifice, it can be offered over and over and over. And each time we offer our bodies to him, it is pleasing in his sight and acceptable to him. Now what I know is that this type of biblical understanding kind of cuts against the grain of our culture. But what I also know is that if I'm going to have real devotion to Christ and you have real devotion to Jesus, that it definitely means for you and for me that our bodies are dedicated to him. Here's what we've learned. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That Christ paid a price for this body to be freed up from the slave market of sin. It cost him his life so that I would have new life. And in regards to that, God calls me to maintain this body, to carry this body, to do things with this body that make it appear as though Christ has set me free and that the Holy Spirit definitely dwells within me, that part of real devotion is not just what I say with my lips or don't say with my lips. It's not just about my mind. It also has everything to do with my body, my physical body, and yours. Let's stand together as we close in prayer. As we close in prayer and the worship team returns, I'd like for us to close our eyes in God's presence. And as we close our eyes in God's presence, listen again to this biblical scripture. Listen again to the word of God. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you receive from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Can we take just a moment to stand in God's presence with our eyes closed but our hearts open? You may never in all of your life have presented your body to God. The scripture says you are beautifully and wonderfully made. That the body in which you will live your life is a body that God desires to be dedicated to Him. A body in which Christ desires to dwell. That tomorrow when you're on grounds, tomorrow when you're at home, tomorrow when you're at the workplace, tomorrow when you connect with the neighbor at the mailbox, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's where the Holy Spirit of God dwells. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, you know, I've never accepted Christ. I've never said yes to Jesus. And you have the clearest sense that you need God in your life, you have the clearest sense in this moment that you would like to have a relationship with God. We no longer have to go to the temple and make sacrifice for our sin. Jesus Christ is the sacrifice for our sin. What he did on the cross paid the price that you could never pay. And the price with which he paid it literally frees you up from yourself. If you've never accepted him, but you would like to accept him in this moment, I'm going to ask that you would repeat this prayer silently in heart, in your heart, just between you and God. And the prayer would go something like this. Dear Jesus, I don't know everything there is to know about who you are. But what I do know is the life that I'm living in this body. I'm worn out. I'm tired. I feel broken inside. I feel separated from God. I feel separated from people. So Jesus, in this moment, would you forgive me for the sin that I've committed with this body? Would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me from all unrighteousness? Would you bring forgiveness into this heart and into this life because I need it. Jesus, I accept you. I receive you. I believe in you. I choose to follow you with this body for the rest of my days. And I pray this in your name. In the name of Jesus, who is mighty to save. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Now, for those of us that have prayed that prayer some part in our lives or at some point, would you with me take just a moment to dedicate your body to God? That from this moment forward, you will step into real devotion with the clear understanding that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That through Christ, the Spirit of God dwells within you. And as Callie and the worship team lead us, I just want us to listen to this worship chorus just for a few moments. And as we listen together, let's offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God. Let's do that together.
1: of why they think you're a lie, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of a night, and you tell.
0: Spirits this morning. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Jesus, thank you for who you are to us. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the fact that your Holy Spirit dwells within these mortal bodies. God, I pray for all of us that we would offer ourselves daily as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing and acceptable in your sight. As we close out our service, if you need prayer this morning, the prayer team is coming forward to pray with you, to pray for you. They're going to be gathered down here up front. Again, if you would like prayer, we invite you to come forward. We're also going to be closing with some extended worship. And so if you would like to stay in worship, we encourage you to do that. And now may the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you, and may he give you peace. If you would like to slip out, do so quietly prayer come forward and please stay in worship if you would like to do so.
1: Cause you're good So perfect to me you give good gifts who oh, so
2: King of my be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my son. Let the king of my be the shadow. never gonna let you down you're never gonna let never gonna let me down you're never gonna let never gonna let me down you never have no you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down you never
1: Everything changes, darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring, and when you walk into the room, every heart starts burning, and nothing matters more than just to sit here at your feet and worship you. worship you, oh, we love you, and we'll never stop, we can't live without you, oh, Jesus, we love you, and we can't get